1: What happens if one day a doctor tells you, I'm sorry, but you have cancer? When you learn you have cancer, you may feel like your life has been turned upside down. It can seem overwhelming at first, but knowing what to expect may help you feel more at ease. Whichever way a person with cancer decides to move forward with their healing is completely valid, whether natural, integrative, or conventional. Through her cancer struggle... Katrina was frustrated and overwhelmed by all the contradictory information while facing the many challenges of finding answers. She didn't know what to eat or who to turn to. Even in comparing sources of weight loss advice, she was presented with pure chaos in discerning what to do for lasting results. If you've ever been frustrated with symptoms such as joint pain and weight gain that you can't seem to get under control, there are potential root causes you probably have not heard about that may be hijacking your health. It's not your fault, it's just a lack of awareness. Valeria interviews Katrina Foe. She is the author of Nutritional Pilates, relieve joint pain, lose unwanted weight and prevent chronic disease to become your most vibrant self. Katrina Faux is a board certified holistic nutritionist who knows that when we look at health, we should be looking at the body as a whole. After overcoming her own cancer 100% naturally and driven by her core belief that the body can heal itself, Katrina went on to become board certified in holistic nutrition and trained to read functional labs. As a faculty member at Restorative Wellness Solutions, Katrina teaches practitioners to interpret functional labs and design individualized protocols. Katrina is also a certified metabolic approach to cancer practitioner. Having been trained and mentored by Dr. Nasha Winters, Katrina's approach to cancer addresses the root cause of the disease and empowers clients to keep it in remission without living in fear of recurrence. In her international bestseller, Nutritional Pilates, Katrina offers a framework for whole body health that casts light on potential obstacles that can obstruct well-being while providing proven strategies to sidestep chronic disease. She is passionate about helping raise the next generation to understand how to care for their bodies through movement and nutrition. Meet Katrina at CancerFreedom.com and PersonalizedPilates.com. Here's the interview with Katrina Foe.
0: In your own words, who is Katrina Foe?
2: Yeah. So first and foremost, I'm a mom and I'm also a functional nutritionist. I help women that have a cancer diagnosis to discover where the root cause drivers of their cancer is so they don't have to live in fear. And this comes organically out of my own cancer journey and struggle to find the answers of what was driving my cancer, which ultimately I was able to put in remission 100% naturally.
0: Wow. That's wonderful news. Gosh. And I have to ask the question now. I couldn't leave for (laughs) later, but I'll ask now. So did you find the cause of the cancer that you had? I usually don't, don't, Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't do ownership when it comes to any, anything of that, but yes. Did you find the cause?
2: I absolutely did. And it's not, it's not one thing. It's never one thing. Right. Um, it's usually six to eight things. So for me, um, I was insulin resistant. I had some estrogen dominance and hypothyroid. I had extreme high levels of mold in my body. Um, a lot of genetic snips where you know, I wasn't processing things properly. Um, and there was a lot of marital stress and, and trauma there. So there were a lot of drivers going on that were contributing to create that perfect storm that allowed my immune system to be so overwhelmed that it was not able to do its job of addressing the rogue cancer cells.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Did you have any cancer cases in your family?
2: before yes, you? you?
0: absolutely. Did.
2: Yeah. So my grandmother had a double mastectomy, um, And it wasn't really talked about. So I'm not a thousand percent sure that it was cancer. But why else would you get a double mastectomy? Um, And then my father had prostate cancer, which came back and then um, several skin cancers. So there's a lot there.
0: Okay, so that's, as you said, wisely, it's not just one factor. It has to be like a number of them. Exactly. Very interesting. Uh, So I'll go back to the topic of how to prevent and all of the the questions about cancer in the moment, Katrina. Before that, what is your understanding of health these days? What is to be healthy from your perspective?
2: Oh, that's a beautiful question. So, you know, a lot of people are just looking at it as, um, I don't have a major disease, like a lack of a diagnosis. But to me, it's really more about overall health and how you feel. Are you at your optimum vibrance, you know, Mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, physically? Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times there's these symptoms that we just kind of ignore because they don't fall. We're not at the place where we have a diagnosis yet. But, you know, I tell my clients there's like a spectrum of, of chronic disease, I call it. And, you know, on one end, you're healthy, you're perfect on the other end, you're so messed up, you're dead. And pain doesn't start, you know, the symptoms don't start till about halfway in between. And most people don't consider themselves unhealthy until they get past that pain threshold into where there's diagnosable things. But I really don't just want to be on the other side of the pain threshold. I want to be as far away from it as possible so that I can really have that, you know, all lit up brain and the energy and the just vibrance that, you know, I think we all really truly want, but are afraid to even hope for.
0: So true. Wow, I love that. <laughs> I know that not just a philosophy for you. This is something that you do. It's the knowledge you have that's it's being applied, not just to your own life, but you're passing on to others. It's beautiful. A question that comes to me from what you said is being emotionally well, what do you teach your clients? What do you do yourself? and actually like suggest your children to do when it comes to keeping that emotional harmony, as I put it.
2: Absolutely. So the emotional component is one of the things that gets overlooked probably the easiest and the most often. Yes. So people, you know, are fine. Oh, I have this thing to do, this pill to take, this food to eat. That's a checkoffable thing. And it's they're good with that. But the less tangible, less concrete things of, I have trauma, I have stress, I have you know, unresolved issues. It's a lot harder to get clients to deal with. So first off with clients, I identify like, is there an issue? Because what we know is that with cancer in the year prior to the diagnosis, there's usually something that has deeply injured the cancer client's heart. Um, And that can be lots of different things. It can be, you know, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, you know, some kind of devastating disappointment. Um, I've had clients lose pets and that has been super traumatic for, um, and this needs to be dealt with. And sometimes they come, they know what it is, and they've already worked through it or they're on it. Um, And a lot of times they have no idea. Um, And it takes them years. But this is where I want to help them. You know, there's a lot of different ways to move through these things, whether it's with some energetic work, some talk therapy, you know, what have you. There's a lot of different techniques. As long as they do the work, you know, I want to support and hold them accountable to making sure they don't just pretend they're an ostrich and bury their head in the sand to the fact that there's an issue there.
0: Right. Yes. Processing is really important.
2: Yes. Really, really
0: powerful. When it comes to mental health, which I, my understanding is that mental health has to do with belief systems and the way we think, more like the pattern of our thinking. Is that something that you also tap into when you address your client's issue with cancer?
2: It's actually a very critical and one of the first components mm. I tap into because, you know, with a diagnosis of cancer, oftentimes people feel hopeless, there's confusion, there's overwhelm and you know if they're depressed at all and then you're going to ask them to do all these intensive protocols diet and lifestyle changes and all this i mean they have a steep learning curve and if they're dealing with depression they're not going to be compliant which means they're not going to get the results and they may not live so it's a very important thing while it, it may or may not be like driving the cancer i definitely think it's a contributing factor and could be one of the things but This has got to be right at the beginning because if you want to have them actually make the changes and implement all this, they've got to be feeling good mentally. So um, I talk to them about diet and lifestyle. We do an oat test where I can see the neurotransmitters um, because a lot of times, yes, there can be emotional things and the thoughts can contribute to this. But a lot of times what people aren't talking about is this can be 100% nutritional you know, people are not getting their B vitamins. They're not breaking down their proteins. They're deficient in certain minerals. Good luck. It's not going to work, even if you're thinking the best thoughts possible. So I want to come at it from every angle to make sure we don't miss something.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. I mean, what's not to love about your approach is holistic, right? It's addressing the whole person. Exactly. My, Katrina, for those who don't know. And then that involves, of course, not just the mind, the body, obviously, the mind, mental content and emotional, but also the spiritual side of it. Talk to me for a moment about that. What is your idea of the spiritual self or spirituality?
2: Yeah, I think this looks different for each person. Um, And, you know, for myself, I have a very strong belief grounded in the Bible and a very personal relationship with the Lord. Not everyone has the same beliefs and the same grounding, but what we've seen in cancer is that they need to have something. They need to have some connection to something bigger than themselves because that's going to really anchor them in during this hard time. It's going to give them hope. It's going to give them direction and purpose. And regardless of what their belief is, they need that to heal. So, you know, oftentimes, I mean, it's on my intake form, you know, would you like me to pray for you? Um, what is your spiritual status? Like, what do you believe? Because I want to know where they're at and I'm, you know, want to dig in if they, if they don't have something, I want to encourage them. Like, you need to think about this and dig into what, why do you want to live? What, what is Mm. driving you and motivating you on? Because they've got to have that hope and that reason for life, um, to help guide them on this journey. Mm. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful the way you say that you address the spiritual component. It's very personal. And that's very true, Katrina, for all of us. It's Mm -hmm. different.
2: Everyone has to make decisions for themselves and find out, you know, and discover what they believe. And the main issue that I have is that when they they don't do any of that work and they're just ignoring the situation. And that's where people don't have hope and they don't have grounding. And that's what they really need with a cancer journey.
0: Yes. and Which is... Interesting enough, it's actually, it's coming from us. So in a way, we are healing ourselves. We are being guided, of course, by professions like you and doctors. But in the end, the body heals itself. And and we are the ones, right, to make that decision, that choice to be healed.
2: Yeah, exactly. I can't emphasize that enough. I do not heal cancer. I help clients to identify what is blocking their body and what their body is deficient in so that, their body can get those blocking factors out of the way, get the nutrition in and their body can do it itself. Because quite frankly, we don't know enough at this point to really fully understand all the mechanisms going on, but the body does. And it's designed to heal itself at a very cellular level. It's always going to know better than any doctor is going to know.
0: Mm, So true. Yes. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) Yes, I believe that too. So
2: it's not even a belief system. It's
0: an experience, of course, that we all have, right? When we cut ourselves, that's obvious. The body automatically starts to heal itself. Mm-hmm. Most immediately, it starts to do the job. So let me go back to the question. I don't think I asked you before. I meant to ask that question more specifically. So you healed yourself naturally from breast cancer. How did you do it? More specifically, what were the most effective methods and practices, Katrina?
2: Oh, yeah. So this was quite the journey of trial and error, trying to figure out what was going to work for me. For me, I, and I have nothing against if people want to do standard of care, but I, that was not the choice I wanted to make. Um, and so you know, I dove in. Something clearly that I was doing was not working, and I needed to evaluate all of it and really dig into what was wrong. And what I found is there were a lot of things off, um, in terms of looking at my functional testing, things that I d- wasn't having symptoms for because my body was compensating really well. And the big message I have is that, you know, with alternative cancer care, we get a really bad rap. Yeah, and I get lumped yes. into the whole pot because what most people are doing is they are, you know, there's a lot of great treatments, you know, IV vitamin C, hyperbaric oxygen, mistletoe. These are all great things, and I use them in my practice but they're not great for everybody. And in order to really find what is the right treatments for you, you have to do some testing because it's not a one size fits all. And it drives me nuts when there's so many practitioners out there that are pushing one size fits all treatments. Everybody needs vitamin C. Everybody needs hyperbaric oxygen because it's just not true. And a lot of times these therapies, um, many of them can be highly oxidative and inappropriate depending on that particular person at that particular time. And we can see this on the test ahead of time if they would run it. So um, I ran a lot of tests. I did a lot of protocols, supplements, diet changes, um, coffee enemas, infrared saunas, things like that to really address all the different imbalances that I had from the hormone imbalances and blood sugar dysregulation to the mold that was high in my body and it was very specific to me. So it's not a one size fits all, like, oh, everybody should do this one thing.
0: Right. So again, it's very specific to the individual.
2: Exactly.
0: As as you said. But it's interesting to notice that most people who have healed themselves from any disease actually, including cancer, they they do speak of diet, changing their diets. Some I have I met somebody actually who was ex- not eating for a while, was doing fasting. He was really like, it was a very aggressive form of cancer. He found that alternative of just not eating for about a week, like every five days. He survived. The last time I met him um, has been a long time. But when I met this person from a, from a, a friend, we, I was in France at the time. I remember it had been five years. He was doing that for five years and he, was, he looked really well to me. So it's yeah. interesting how it's very different, yeah, how to approach, right, Katrina,
2: the process. Well, the great thing with fasting is, first off, it's cheap. You know, it's, yeah. it's <laughs> yes. great; you're yes. saving money there. But it's going to put the body into a state of autophagy, where the body is going to be more able to do cleanup work, um, which includes the cancer cells and tumor breakdown and um, such. But at the root level, it's working to address the metabolic dysfunction Mm. that is going on in the body. So Mm. um, I use fasting with most all my clients at some stage, depending on how it's appropriate. And we we wean them into it. So, you know, doing a five or seven day fast is not uncommon, but it does need to be worked into. I wouldn't just have people jump into it, because especially if they have cancer, the metabolism is not working well and they usually need to uh, do some work on that first with the diet to make sure they're ready and prepared properly for the fasting so that it's not awful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
0: it makes sense to me. Wow, that sounds amazing. I would recommend anyone though to look for an alternative way of natural way of healing cancer. Then I would do that myself as well, of course, immediately alternative options. So, let me ask you an open question, uh, just changing the subject almost altogether, but not really. What do you feel is the purpose of the human experience? Why are we here going through all this that we go through?
2: Yes, that is changing the subject. <laughs> it is right quite a lot. <laughs> you know i <laughs> I believe that this is this life is a journey where we get to learn and grow, um, and the spiritual aspect of Connecting with God and having that relationship, I believe, is the central part of, of all of it. And that's going to look different for everybody because we all have different areas that we need to grow. And those life experiences come to us so that we can use them as education mm-hmm. uh, if we choose.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I, I can't, it resonates with me clearly. That's how I feel. The whole purpose of being here from my perspective, it is to evolve and, and that has to do with spirituality. And maybe that's why I'm very much connected and attracted to healing because I know it leads to that, to that evolution of the soul, of the mind, to love really. my Katrina, isn't it what we all want? To feel that unconditional love, peace, inner peace, happiness.
2: Yeah, I think that's at the forefront of uh, most people's desires. Absolutely. Yeah, it's much deeper
0: than just healing the body and the mind. I I really feel that.
2: Another question I have
0: for you that I wanted to ask earlier. Oh, yeah, I'll I'll ask you this one, too. It's an open question, too. What makes you happy these days? How has your life changed after cancer?
2: Oh, well, there's kind of two (laughs) there. Um, (laughs) I would definitely say my joy comes in my children. I just am so tickled by (laughs) the funny little things they do Mm -hmm. and the things that they say and Mm -hmm. just the the hugs and kisses that I get every day. Um, And and they were the Mm -hmm. forefront of the whole, like, Mm -hmm. why am I bothering to fight this cancer? You know, what is my driving factor? It's because, you know, I want to be there to teach my kids to ski. I want to see their their wedding day. I want to hold their babies you know and and be with them as part of their their life and get to see what who they become so you know for me that's that's what gives me joy um and then the other question you asked uh I'm sorry yes repeat that second part yes about happiness and then oh
0: yeah happiness your children and then How does your life look very much different these days after cancer? What changed
2: primarily? My life looks radically different. Um, The whole cancer journey just ignited a passion in me um, to really understand the body at a deeper level. And I went back to school for several years. And I did it selfishly at first just to understand what had happened to me um, for my own curiosity. And then as I learned more and more, I just realized I could not be quiet about this. And and alongside that, I kept having people come up to me and like, I want to work with you. And I'm like, one, I'm not a practitioner. And like, yes, you are. And mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. over the years, um, I've grown into really enjoying working with clients um extensively. And that has been such a tremendous joy. So now I have a completely new career and um, focus of you know, what my daily life looks like than it did was before cancer.
0: Ah Yes, I can imagine. So you are a Pilates master teacher trainer and you're the founder of Personalized Pilates. Do you actually integrate helping people with cancer as a holistic nutritionist and also certified metabolic approach to cancer practitioner? Do you I bring all this together, which I can imagine, um, I assume you do in a way, but I have to ask the question in how you do it to
2: Yes. So that's, that's a little complicated one. So before I had my cancer journey, um, I opened my Pilates too when I was only 24 and ran it for many years. We still have it. We do teacher training there in Scottsdale and everything. Um, love Pilates. I love a deeper look at the muscle imbalances. So we do a lot of a therapeutic deeper work, not just, you know, burn your calories for the day kind of thing. Yes. Um, and we work mostly with like post rehab, a lot of professional athletes, a lot of chronic disease conditions kind of thing. Um, so I already had that interest in the body, but this was more musculoskeletal, you know, versus more, you know, <sighs> hormones and, and different things with the cancer. Um, but they meld together. And that's what my book is really touching on. Mm-hmm. It's called Nutritional Pilates, yeah. Relieve Joint Pain, Lose Unwanted Weight, and Prevent Chronic Disease to Find Your Optimal Vibrance. Um, and that's just giving people a framework of how the body works as a whole. So movement-wise, muscle imbalances, as well as you know, metabolism and hormones, because so many times when people have a lot of inflammation in the body, for example, you know, it can affect the joints and it could be the movement patterns, but it could be, you know, that there's mold or, or a hormone imbalance that is causing that inflammation and then manifesting in symptoms of joint pain, or, for example. And it gives people a framework to ask the questions of like, what else could be going wrong, you know? Because there's a lot of things like mold, for example, that people aren't talking about and they're not looking into that can really cause a lot of these problems.
0: Mm, So true. Wow. So let's see. Gosh, I I just have too many questions here. So yeah, you mentioned the book and I'll have that um, on your podcast profile. I'll link that to Amazon, Nutritional Pilates. So I know in your book, you give lots of information on how to prevent... Basically how to be healthy and, and have a, a balanced body, which uh, for me, I always go back to harmony. I think that way too, in a holistic way, just trying to keep everything in balance. But as you said before, not all imbalances will, will, have, will present a, a symptom. And that's kind of scary, right, Katrina, too. Mm-hmm. To, when we think about it, we do everything that we can, keep the body balanced, but not all imbalances can be seen.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of times imbalances may not be felt, especially if people tend to do really good at compensating. That was me. I didn't have like really many symptoms at all when I presented with cancer. But the beautiful thing is we have these functional tests now where we can uncover and look inside what's actually going on, even if there aren't symptoms. So like I said, I had a lot of things going on that I couldn't feel. But when you ran the blood work and looked at the saliva and stool and things, it was there and you could see it very clearly, which allowed me to then go in and address those things that I couldn't feel. Mm -hmm. So we're living in a time where we have amazing tools and there's more amazing tools coming out every day, which is so amazing and exciting.
0: Yes, that's true. So do you recommend that we kind of, do this checkup, this blood work, how often, and what is the age? Should we start at you know twenties, thirties?
2: Oh yeah. So this is a tricky one because this isn't covered by insurance um, unless you are in a disease state. Mm, and yes. usually they're not they're not running half the markers that I'm running. Um, they're running the cheap markers, you know, a CBC and a metabolic panel, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I'm looking at a lot more. So when I work with my cancer clients, I have a year long program and we start with all the functional testing, because like I said, it's not one thing. I want to get all the smoking guns on the table at, up upfront. So there's nothing that's going to blindside us later. Right. Um, and that's, we're talking about cancer though. Yes. So when you're talking about prevention, um, you know, just wanting to optimize your health, usually an extensive blood panel with a lot of additional markers would do a great job to get started um, and, and show you, you know, there might be other areas you need deeper testing and such. But this is where you can see things before they're coming. And like I said, unfortunately, insurance isn't paying for it. So a lot of times if you want this level of health, you know, you only get one life. This is where, you know, you want to put your investment and you have to step outside the box and do it for yourself at this point, which honestly, for me, I think it's totally worth it because I know the level that I want to live and vibrate at and it's Mm -hmm. not the average. And I... You know, I'm willing to pay more for that. And yes, maybe I won't go to Starbucks, you know, and that's fine with me. (laughs) Yes, a little compromising here and there. Yeah, it's Um, about prioritizing mm, what what you care about. And not everyone wants to care about and prioritize their health. And that's their choice.
0: Mm, That's true. Do you see clients, are you open to clients um, all over the country?
2: Yes, most of my clients are not local to me. Um, I work with them virtually and it's, it's so brilliant that we can just drop ship these tests. They, the the client does the most of the tests with the exception, obviously of blood work, you know, in the comfort of their own home, they mail them into the lab. The lab sends me results and I ping my clients and say, Hey, let's set up a zoom time and we can talk, which is, it's just such a beautiful thing to Mm. be able to have that flexibility to work with people. Um, in this way. I really enjoy it.
0: Yes. Oh my God, Katrina, I love that. I'm interested myself.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> great.
0: Yes, I'm 46 now. And oh, I great. notice I'm going through perimenopause. And it seems like the whole thing just stopped all of a sudden. So this might be a good time to check and see what's yeah. happening, right?
2: Yeah, that transition can be really rough for people, if especially if the blood sugar is dysregulated or those hormones mm. aren't optimized. Because I thought this was fascinating. When you, I'm I'm actually 47 myself, so this is on my radar, personal. Oh, good. (laughs) But I, Um, um, when you go through perimenopause, your sex hormones switch from being made in your ovaries to being made in your adrenals. And most most women at that point in life are a little frazzled, and their adrenals are not running great. You know, they're stressed. They've got a lot work-home balance stuff. You know, maybe their blood sugar is usually not optimized. And so that transition is not great. And that's where you get all the different symptoms and people talk about it being normal, but it's not what should be happening. That transition should be smooth and doing the testing and looking ahead of time without being in a disease state, you can optimize that so that you don't have to have the quote inevitable as people talk about it, um, hot flashes and all the awful symptoms.
0: Right, right. And with that in mind, I guess my audience would appreciate, including myself,
2: (laughs) what are some of
0: the normal, unnatural symptoms of menopause? What would that look like?
2: There shouldn't be symptoms. That's the whole point. Ah, no hot flashes. No, no. no, that's Ah, Those are all signs. Your body is basically Mm, starting mm. with whispers, going up to screams with, Mm. you know, hot flashes and stuff saying, there's something wrong. Please take care of me. And it's not something that just, you know, smacking some prescription or bioidentical hormones is going to fix because when you, and I'm not against bioidentical hormones, it always, there's a time and a place. Uh, But when you do that, you're short circuiting the body's natural negative feedback loop to um, self monitor, you're disabling it, and you're pouring these hormones on and I can't tell you, I get a little worked up. But a lot of people will start doing that and then they don't test the hormones. And I can't tell you how many cancer clients I have that have had that story. Their they're naturopath or something put them on hormones. They haven't tested in five years and now they have an estrogen positive cancer and their estrogen's through the roof. I'm like, yeah, this was a huge driving factor. Not the only one, of course, but it's a big deal. And uh, this could have been prevented by better management and watching the hormones or fixing the whole thing in the first place. Right. Wow.
0: That is very insightful. I was actually thinking that it was normal, natural to have the hot flashes. I don't have it too often, but sometimes I do.
2: Oh, I'm so glad we talked about that. Wow. Yeah, no. It is not natural. It should slide. You should be able to slide into menopause without having problems. Now, I say should because, you know, you've got to keep in mind that our world today is very stressful. There's a lot of toxins. There's a lot of other things. You know, our food supply is very carb-dominant, which is going to tend towards blood sugar dysregulation, and depending on your genetics, you're going to be more or less predisposed to some of these things that I just mentioned and be more likely to then have these hormonal upsets and symptoms, but that's not normal.
0: Yeah, so that you really kind of paused me here for a while.
2: Oh, good. <laughs> That's
0: not mattress, not normal. Wow. Okay, so another question is overall, of course, just in a, in a general way, what are the suggestions for your suggestions for keeping our hormones, especially women like at that age, 45 and over, in check? What should we look? You just mentioned carbohydrates, probably mm-hmm. lowering the intake of come would you say all kinds of carbs or or just uh, simple carbs
2: oh that's a good question so i actually talk about this a lot in my book because this is a big issue for all chronic disease but menopause transition as well getting with i i call it a low insulin diet because it's really you know it's not just about the carbs it's about what is going to spike your insulin And the insulin is going to be why people start to pack on the pounds because this is what I didn't know and I thought was fascinating, um, that when you have insulin, you know, you, you eat some carbs, your body has more blood sugar, and your body signals the insulin to go out to put the blood sugar in the cells. That's kind of what we're taught. But it has a lot of other functions. And one of the things that insulin signals is that it tells the rest of the body, so like your fat storage and such, not to let any fat out because we already have enough energy running around. So if you continue to eat carbs, like ongoing through the day, you never get the insulin down and you never are able to lose weight because the fat can't get out to be burned. Um, You know, so that's a huge thing. But those insulin and, you know, your other hormones, if they're dysregulated, that's going to be driving the, uh, the menopausal symptoms. So making sure the blood sugar regulation is spot on. Um, so with that less carbs and to be more specific to your question, I love carbs in terms mm-hmm. of the low carb vegetables. Like you need that. And the research is showing that having lots of low carb veggies is going to give you the fiber to feed your good gut bacteria, which is actually being shown in the research now to be more effective um, then even probiotics. So you want to get the good fiber, you want to get those phytonutrients, but you don't need the carbs. So potatoes, rice, beans, grains, that kind of stuff is not necessarily serving you well. And depending on your bioindividual state, you know, that's going to look a little different, um, for each person of how many carbs they can handle and, you know, how far do they need to back up this blood sugar dysregulation.
0: Yes. Uh, would you say that exercise could help for some of us who are more active? Can we have some pasta <laughs> once in a while? I guess I'm telling myself here. Oh
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. And, and this is the thing, when you burn calories, so whether you're going running or something, that is going to use up your storage uh, you know, form of the blood sugar so that then you could eat some carbs to refill it. Is is that really what you want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's I, I, personally, yeah. I don't enjoy the pasta that much. Oh, um, no. <laughs> I get, I enjoy like a nice zucchini spiralized kind of thing just as mm-hmm. much. But I know everybody's got their favorite form of carb. For me, it would be more like if I'm going to pick my battle, I would go for some nice bread. But that's everybody's different. Yeah. Um, and this is where, you know, you would cycle up because you don't want to, um, you know, if you don't have cancer you want to be cycling in and out of having carbs and not having carbs so that you're metabolically flexible. And this is a journey that's going to be very individual depending on where you're at. If you're really metabolically broken, you're going to have to do some work to get that fixed and running well before then you start going in and out of flexing back and forth. Um, And it, it looks different for different people. But yeah, theoretically, Going for a jog is going to make it easier for your body to handle the carb load um, of something like that.
0: Right. Wow. And you just reminded me about zucchini pasta. Yeah, I used to have that. My husband he loves pasta, and then I just join him without, <laughs> without thinking. <laughs> Talk to me for a moment about inflammation too, Katrina. Does the carbs and all that, the insulin levels, they are all connected to the inflammation?
2: Yep. And inflammation is going to be what you want to keep your eye on for for all chronic disease, especially particularly cancer. I mean, that's what we we use inflammation markers actually to monitor, you know, if things start to flare up um, and we can see it before there's gonna be a tumor expansion or, or progression or spread. Um so inflammation is really, really key. Now there's a ton of different things that can cause inflammation. The blood sugar and high insulin levels would definitely be amongst the top ones of those, like you had mentioned. Um, The inflammatory uh, canola and seed oils and such would be a huge driver, um, which is ubiquitous in our diets today. And you have to be very intentional to get away from this, especially if you're going out to eat a lot, because they're always going to be using those because they're so dirt cheap. Um, But they're terrible for us, and they are driving a lot of our, our chronic disease. So those are really important things to be looking at when you're talking about using food as medicine.
0: Wow, you're very informative. It's a wake-up call <laughs> for me too, my husband and I. We eat a lot of oats too, and I have heard it's not so great for you. It's another form of carbs, right, Katrina? Yep,
2: absolutely. Now, wow. oats in their purest form um, do, don't do have gluten, Um a lot of times they're processed in facilities with gluten, so they're contaminated. But you so they don't have the gluten, which can also be very inflammatory and such. But they are just as much carbs as you know any other grain. So,
0: wow, a lot to cut. That's amazing. Do you suggest eggs? Eggs. Eggs. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If if people can get good quality eggs and they tolerate eggs, meaning. Some people have issues with the egg whites in terms of like food sensitivities. Um, but I, I eat a lot of eggs. I think they're fantastic. Those yolks are just like mm, yeah. so many good nutrients. Um, basically, you want your, your plate to be a lot of low-carb veggies, and that is the conduit for some really nice fatty sauces that are nutrient-dense and then some meat on the side with some nice clean quality meat. And you know that can look lots. That can look like a huge big salad. It could look like that zucchini noodles, you know, with some sauce. on. It, it looks different um, depending on the meal, but that's kind of what it looks like is the fat. You want to make sure that you up that when you lower the carbs so you're not tired. And a lot of people have hard time digesting the fat nowadays. So that's a whole separate issue.
0: Oh, wow. That's incredible. So when you speak of low carb veggies, myself and the audience, we, we are more clear with that. Mm-hmm. What are some examples of that, Katrina?
2: Yeah, this is where all the nutrient-dense ones are, which is beautiful because in the fruit world and the vegetable world, the lowest carb ones are gonna be the most nutrient-dense. So all the brassicas and cruciferous vegetables, so broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kale, all those kinds of ones you hear about all the time as superfoods, um, all the greens, things like that are gonna have the most phytonutrients. Which are being shown all the time to be what is really helping fight cancer and such, um, as well as just vitamins and minerals. In the fruit world, it's those berries. Ironically, they they taste sweet and are yummy, but those are the lowest carb, mm-hmm. and they have by far the most nutrient dense. Most of the other ones, like you know, peaches, pears, that are mangoes, that are higher in sugars, have very little nutrition in them. That's not, you know, what you need to be eating.
0: Mm, That's wonderful to know. Thank you for the information. And high carb veggies would be, would you say, carrots, potatoes?
2: Exactly. If it's in the ground, the root vegetables, those are usually the highest carb ones. Ah. So like you just mentioned, the carrots and potatoes, and there's a whole lot in that family. Now, that doesn't mean to say that a good sweet potato isn't a bad idea every once in a while. But again, it's going to be higher carb that's going to be much more nutrient dense though um than something like pasta sorry yes <laughs> uh, and, oh my pasta And honestly yeah. <laughs> I still eat beets and carrots but I just mm. don't eat like a huge plate of them I'll you know grate some beets on my salad or carrots or mixed into something um you don't have to eat huge quantities to get the nutrients Right ah uh, that's wonderful to know
0: and you know recently my husband does a lot of research on self healing and he found a, a juice, a recipe for juice that's supposed to clean up your digestive system or improve digestion. And there was beets, watermelon, cucumbers, lemon, uh, and something else that I forgot, ginger, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, it's, 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 it tastes very sweet. I don't know how yeah. good that is for us, though. <laughs> We're drinking that every day almost.
2: Well, beets are amazing for your liver and gallbladder, and so is the ginger and such here's the thing with juices. What you've done um, is taken the fiber out. Mm -hmm. So remember I mentioned the fiber is really good for your gut bacteria. Now you just put them on a fast and that's not good. You want to feed those gut bacteria because they will actually be making vitamin K and B vitamins and things for you if you take good care of them. So I don't like taking the fiber out for that reason. Additionally, you know, it keeps things moving bowel wise, but When you take the fiber out, it means that all those carbs, which, I mean, all the fruits and vegetables are made of carbs, it's going to hit your blood sugar faster and harder. Mm. So I never juice. Mm. Um, I think it's a terrible idea for most people. Mm. Um, If you want those, it would be so much better and healthier for you to blend them and keep the fiber in there because you want that fiber. It's like throwing away the good part.
0: That's a good point. Yes. It includes also a celery, right? Celery, beets. Yes. And I see a lot of the fibers just left out. We just throw that away. So that's not a good idea.
2: Well, literally, that's that's like a supplement right there. I mean, people take probiotic pills and, and powders all the time, like the pulp that you throw away. That's like the best probiotics, uh, or, sorry, prebiotics gosh. that you could have. And people are just throwing it away in the name of juicing. And it's it's comical because we're throwing out the, the baby with the bathwater.
0: Ah, uh, that's true. That's amazing. We have so much misinformation out there, uh, Katrina. The juicing, yeah. it's just huge now. Everybody talks about juicing. I mean, has been for a while.
2: It has been, yeah. And there's been a lot of misunderstandings. I think a lot of the reason to get technical, um, that the juicing is so helpful is because in the vegetables and fruits, um, there is going to be structured water, which is very, very powerful in terms of the healing properties. But again, you don't have to take the fiber out to get that. You know, I would much prefer my clients to chew the vegetables up themselves and get the saliva with the enzymes going and stuff. So there's better digestion, um, if they have issues with that, you know, doing some kind of a low carb smoothie would be a better choice to keep the fibrin. But I absolutely don't let my clients do juicing.
0: Mm, yes, wow, that's a big one too. I mean, I, I had no idea. I won't drink that anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> I'll tell him too. <laughs> Your
2: Thanks. husband's not gonna like me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, he better because
0: we might be working together and <laughs> <need> some exams. <laughs> Katrina, thank you so much for, I mean, for everything that you're doing. It's amazing how much information you have gathered and the courage, everything that you went through is just so amazed me. I was looking on your website and I saw the picture of your children and I was looking at their faces and then thinking about what you went through. It was just heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what an amazing woman. And you are. Thank you so much for being you. Thank you. You're a gift to all of us and an inspiration, it's a huge inspiration. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much for your kind words. And I really appreciate that. It's been great having this conversation.
0: Yes, yeah, it has been fun and very informative. Gosh. Uh-huh. So I want to mention before we say goodbye for today, I do have a few more questions for you. The services that you offer, one-on-one private lessons, group equipment classes, also, become a Pilates instructor. This is a training program. So, is this? Did I miss anything? I think I found this on your website. Is there yeah. Anything else?
2: So, so that's what we offer at our Pilates studio in Scottsdale. You know, so you do need to be there. Um, now, in terms of clients that want to work with me with the nutrition aspect, you know, cancer or or other chronic diseases and such, um, we do one-on-one. And then I have a group program for my cancer program that we're launching uh, the beginning of uh, 24. So coming up here, which I'm very excited about. Um, We also do retreats, which Uh, are super powerful and fun. Yes,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. That's wonderful to know. And all this can be found on your website. And I want to mention it's personalizedpilates.com or... That's one
2: Yeah, that's the Pilates studio. So my nutrition website is cancerfreedom.com.
0: Mm, cancerfreedom.com. So I'll add this one as well. I didn't have that, this one. So cancerfreedom.com. And before we say goodbye for today, uh, would you like to add anything else, Katrina, that you left unsaid? Any questions that I didn't ask? Any topic we didn't discuss?
2: No, I'm just excited to get this out there because i I really want I'm really passionate about people understanding that there are more choices for cancer than just the standard of care. Now, if that's what people want, that's fine. But integrating the two or doing other things, there's a lot of choices. And when you honor the way the body is designed and get to the root cause, then not only do you, you know, support the body in the healing, but then you have tools ongoing so you don't have to live in fear of it coming back for the rest of your life.
0: Mm, yes, wow. Uh, what's not to love about this? Thank you mm-hmm. so much again.
2: Absolutely.
0: And before we say goodbye, I'll ask you two questions. It's, since I, Yeah, that inspired me. Cancerfreedom.com. What is your idea of freedom? What is to be free to you, Katrina, these days?
2: Mm, that's a beautiful question. I think that freedom means that you have choices. You uh, have the knowledge and understanding and the ability to choose what's best for you. So you're not beholden, you're not a slave to something else. Um, and so with cancer, you know, not having to be a slave to it coming back and it's taking over your life and stealing your life from you and all the dreams and hopes that you have, Of you know, for me it was uh, Teaching my children to ski, like I mentioned, like that was a big one. I was like, "No, I, I'm going to be there," and I've gotten to enjoy teaching all but the littlest one, who's not quite ready yet. You (laughs) know, and I feel super excited about that. That gives me the feeling of freedom because that was what was important to me. Yes,
0: resonates very much true to me. Everything you said from that perspective of having choices. Mm -hmm. Um. And my last question is what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die?
2: Well, I, I'm i not sure how to answer that. So <laughs> I feel like that's super specific to them. I just want people to be able to be clear on deciding what they want because it's going to look different for each person. And then being able to go after that because a lot of people, I think, don't... Take the time to articulate and think about what is the end goal? What do I want my life to look like when I look back? Um, and I think that's sad. So I just hope that everyone can take the time to think about that and then reverse engineer what it takes to have that happen. Um, because we have so many amazing opportunities and options if we go after it and are intentional. But if we don't, you know, life just passes us by. And, and that's where I feel like the opportunities are missed.
0: Yeah, it's so true. I love your wisdom, too. It sounds very, it sounds timeless to me. That's something that we could just continue to benefit from, in a way, from eternity, from now until the end of uh, the human experience. It's, uh, it's very, you're very wise, very, very wise. Thank you. Thank you, you, Katrina. And this will be the end of the conversation for today, but I would love to have you back. And I will have your websites there on the podcast notes. And this interview will be published within two to three weeks. It will be out there. I'll send you the link. and we will be in touch again. So take good care of yourself. Thank you so much for your presence in the healing world.
2: If you want, Valerie, I'm happy to send you a link. Where they can um, download my new ebook on um, yeah. Roadmap to Preventing Cancer Recurrence.
0: Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. Please email I me. And I'll add this as well. Thank you so much again, Katrina. Awesome. You have a
2: great one.
0: You too. Bye for okay. now.
2: Bye.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Katrina Foe and her work, please visit cancerfreedom.com and PersonalizedPilates.com. To learn more about
0: this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.